Well, that was kind of a downer. Uh, got a real uplifting psalm we're going to look at this morning, but I am excited to have the chance to bring Psalm 42 and 43 before us this morning because there's a lot of good things here for us, things that we desperately need as people living in a broken world. The Psalms are really quite amazing if you think about them. I love the Psalms because they're just so different. The myriad of emotion and experience that the Psalms encompass is truly remarkable, right? I mean, you have Psalms that are really pious declarations of the beauty of God's creation and the, and the beauty of his word. And then you turn around and have a psalm that is somebody asking God to decimate a group of people on their behalf. All right? I mean, you have huge contrast when you come to the, to the psalms. And then we're back to reflecting on uh, how great God's word is and, and how faithful God is to his people. And then you have our psalm today. We have a psalm here where the writer is basically saying to God, God, I need you. Desperately need you. And you're not here. God, I want you more than anything else in my life. I want you more than anything else right now. And you're not showing up. I mean, this is real stuff. Deep stuff. Life stuff. See, the writer of our psalm is someone who is incredibly burdened by the harsh realities in his life. He, he, a lot of things, have, he's in exile, he's, he's part of the people of God, and he's been ripped from his home and taken to a foreign land with a group of people that don't really care for them too much. As we saw, he's mocked continuously. And he's just incredibly burdened by the harsh realities of his life. And it's rocking his faith in God. I mean, honestly, this psalmist is probably more real than we want to be most of the time. He's dealing with intense things in his life and an, an intense disappointment and discouragement in his walk with God. He says in this psalm three times, he repeats this, ref this refrain why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Three times he comes back to that. I mean, he is in inner turmoil. He's, he's in a low spot. He's feeling forgotten and overlooked. He's feeling abandoned. He's feeling lost and disconnected. And I find this incredibly comforting that that this psalm is here for us today because sometimes I think as Christians in the church, we kind of have this like feeling like we're not supposed to be impacted by difficulties in life, right? Because we have Jesus, right? Since we have Jesus, we shouldn't really struggle with things that are difficult. We should sort of keep a smile on our face because God's, you know, ultimately got it all taken care of. But the thing is, life is difficult. It is hard. And there are hard things in life, even for us as Christians. When life is hard, we, we feel it. 
When your expectations and your hopes and your dreams about what life should look like are dashed to pieces, you feel it. All right? We're, even as Christians, we are real people, and we, we feel and we hurt and we struggle. We don't live in sort of some kind of cartoon world where the realities of life don't actually affect us. We live in the world of the psalmist. We live in the real world. You guys, have you guys ever heard of the, the cartoon laws of physics? Right? Have you heard of these? I'm going to read a couple of them for you before we get back into the psalm. So, cartoon laws of physics. What makes these cartoons funny is that it's not real, right? It's, not, it's, it's funny because that's not how it works in real life. The first law of cartoon physics is that any body suspended in space will remain in space until made aware of its situation, right? I'll explain this one a little bit. So Wiley Coyote steps off a cliff, expecting further pasture land. He loiters in midair, conversing with himself flippantly, until he chances to look down and realize he's in the air. At this point, the familiar principle of 32 feet per second takes over. However, he will not necessarily fall immediately. He may be given the chance to run on air back to the edge from which he fell. However, he usually cannot run fast enough, and he starts to fall just before his arms reach the edge. And in his high speed, tidal forces are such that his arms stretch out while the rest of him falls long enough to wave bye-bye. Cartoon laws of physics, right? They're funny because they're not true. That's not how it really works. Here's a couple more quick ones. I won't explain them. But anybody passing through solid matter will leave a perforation conforming to its perimeter. Another law. Certain bodies can pass through solid walls painted as tunnel entrances. Others cannot. And finally, this one's a little more complex. So just, you're going to have to think about it for a second. But the time required for an object to fall 20 stories is greater than or equal to the time it takes for whoever knocked it off the ledge to spiral down 20 flights of stairs and attempt to capture it unbroken. Cartoon laws of physics. It's not real. It's what makes it funny. But in life, when you step off the edge of the cliff, you fall, right? When you knock something over, it breaks. That is the world we live in, the real world. And that is the world that the psalmist finds himself in. He's a broken person in a broken world, and it hurts. And he is struggling. He is in the depths of despair. And as we, whenever we get to those points in life, whenever we get to a point where things are kind of stripped away, and, 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 and things that we maybe cling to are taken away, it really does reveal what it is we really want in life. Right? When, when, when you kind of get pinched in sort of the crucible of life, you really do become aware of what you love and what you want most in life. And as that happens to our writer here, we see something that I think is, is foundational and is very important for us to understand before we go any further into this psalm. And that is that he has a deep longing and connection for God. In his time of trial and, and, and distress, the thing that he wants most is 
God. That's what he wants. He's not really asking for his home back. He's not asking for all the things that he had back in, in uh, Jerusalem. The one thing he's asking for is God himself. And for us, it is really important to understand that that is the goal of our faith. The goal of our faith is God himself. The goal of our faith is not a better life. It's not a smoother road. The goal of our faith as followers of Jesus is him. And we see that in in this psalm. He starts off, he says, As the deer pants for flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. There's all kinds of things the psalmist could want to be different. But at his core, the thing that he wants most is a connection with God himself. And I got to say, I was just, I could have stopped there and had plenty of conviction personally. As I thought about this, is, is that really what I want most? Does, do I want to connect with God? Moment by moment, day by day, is that what really drives me? Is my soul thirst for God? The psalmist understands that God is the source of life, and he's also the place of ultimate and supreme joy. That's what he's remembering when he was back in Jerusalem. He was probably a, uh, one of the people that led music when they came and worshiped at the temple. And he's remembering when he used to lead people in worship back in Jerusalem. In verse 4, he says, These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, I would, I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession of the house of God with glad shouts of joy and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The psalmist is missing his connection with God. See, because Jerusalem was the place in the Old Testament where God said, I'm going to dwell here among my people, in the temple. And he gave them certain ways that they could come and worship and experience him there. And now he's been pulled away from that. The whole nation is in exile and they're far from that. And the thing that he wants most in all of that turmoil and all of that is he wants to connect with God again. And we have to understand that. We have to ask ourselves and, and, and think, is the goal of my faith, is it God himself? Is that what I'm really after? Or am I after something else that he's going to give me or fix? The psalmist wants God. It's foundational. Because it's going to get worse. This is, this is going to get worse, okay? He's going to take us deeper into the rabbit hole. Because I'm thinking, okay, this guy's got it figured out at this point, right? God's first. God's what he wants. Thumbs up. Everything's good. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Well, it gets more difficult because we, we see here as this psalm goes on that our desire for God is not always met with instantaneous reward. See, just because I have faith in tough moments doesn't mean that God's going to take away all the bad and bring in a bunch of good. 
We can learn that from this psalm. He doesn't. Because he says in verse 2, sorry, my, my, uh, verse 3, he said, My tears have been my food day and night. Translation, he's been here a while. Okay? Day and night, his tears have been his food. He's cried out to God. He's yearning for God. And God's not simply making all the stuff go away and making it all better. His situation isn't changing, and he's thirsty for the right thing. He's thirsty for God. But God is not immediately showing up and changing his situation. And I think it's easy when when things don't get fixed right away, when God doesn't simply just make it all better, It's easy to to turn away, to become discouraged. But yet, I think we see the psalmist as he's struggling and working through this, we see his faith in God is, is still there. And one of the things that he does as he's struggling through this is he remembers, right? He looks back to when times were different. And Dan Dan spent a long time uh, looking at this last week, uh, the memory stones and the importance of God redirecting his people to remember his faithfulness in the past. And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because Dan did a great job last week, but I do want to highlight something about biblical remembrance. Because I think it's easy when you're in a tough spot, when you're in a rough place, to, when you're remembering when it wasn't like that, sometimes it kind of has the opposite effect. Right? When we talk about the good old days, usually what we mean is it's not very good right now, right? And we're kind of highlighting and focusing on that, right? It's like, yeah, the old, the fishing hole is fished out. It used to be so good, it's not anymore, right? The old neighborhood is overpopulated and overrun. It's not what it used to be. So we're kind of like remembering, and we're also kind of like griping about how bad things are right now. Does that make sense? But you see, it's really significant because when God asked his people to remember, it's not so that they can complain about the present, but it's so that they realize that what God was then, he is now. What God was then, he still is now. And that's really hard to believe when you're in the depths of despair. Right? When it doesn't feel that way, it's really hard to believe that whatever God was back then when it was better, that he still is that now. But that's, that's the point of biblical re- remembrance is that we remember that God is still that God. And it is hard sometimes to do that. And it's hard for our psalmist as he goes through this psalm, as he remembers, sort of is comforted by the past, I think it immediately kind of throws him into confusion. Because he's like, it's not like that now. It's, it, it's, it's so different right now. And he, he starts to question God. He starts to ask these questions in uh, verse, um, verse 9. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? See, not only do we not exactly experience instantaneous reward by having faith in God, but oftentimes our life experiences may lead us to question God. See, when what we know and what we believe doesn't really sometimes line up with our experience, our, our present experience, it, it, it throws us into confusion and, and, and disillusionment, and we, sometimes we don't know what to do. And the psalmist, I think that's where he is. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He's in a bad circumstance. He's feeling flattened by life and forgotten by God. Life is pretty bad right now, and it feels like God's not here. Have you ever been there? In a spot where it just feels like everything's just wrong, and it just keeps happening, and you just can't change it, you can't turn the tide, and, and, and you cry out to God, and it feels like crickets. The psalmist feels that way. Life is bad, and it's just like the poopy pile just keeps getting deeper and bigger. And, and he's just crying out to God, and it seems like God's not there. Uh, every summer, for the last 18 years, I've been going up to Alaska, and I commercial fish up there in a place called Igigik. The little village out on the Aleutian Island chain, and it's really remote. There's no roads there. You've got to fly in, um, and, there, and our fish camp has no running water, no electricity. Everything that we do out there, we have to bring in, set up, and so basically a lot can go wrong. A lot can go wrong, and over the years, there's this little, I, I find myself just sort of like murmuring this phrase. Igigik doesn't care. Igigik doesn't care. This summer was a doozy, right? The weather was terrible. We had five, six day bouts of like 35 mile an hour winds. Just doesn't stop. Makes fishing really hard. Currents and it's just nasty. And you, you know, you go to bed and you wake up and you just hope that it's going to stop the next day. Only to be waken up by the cabin shaking. The wind is blowing so hard. And, and so we just kind of sometimes around fish camp, we'll just kind of jokingly say, like, something will go wrong. and be like, it doesn't care. It doesn't care. It doesn't care that, you know, that things are hard. Because one more thing will go wrong tomorrow. It, uh, it doesn't care that, you know, you haven't gotten any sleep in three weeks, and now we need gas, and so I'm going to go, you know, go to, go to the village and get gas, and I go out, and, and the four-wheeler tire is flat. So I air up the four-wheeler tire, go to start the four-wheeler, and the battery's dead in the four-wheeler. So I get all that taken care of, start the four-wheeler, and I start driving down to go get gas, and all of a sudden I realize the trailer's not attached to the ATV anymore. 
and, and the weld has broken on the ATV hitch. And so it's like now I can't go get gas. And it's like I got to be back out on the river. And, it, and it's like it, it just doesn't care. It just doesn't care. It doesn't care how hard it's been. It doesn't care how ridiculous all the things that have It just doesn't care, right? And sometimes maybe you, you, you do that, right? In life, it's like, dude, life just doesn't care about me. It doesn't care how much I'm struggling with this. It's like, well, now the AC just went out and it's a million degrees outside. It's like, cool. And it's kind of funny, you know, to be like, oh, Igigig doesn't care, da 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 Because it's like, Igigig's not a real thing. It's not a person. So it's just like a fun way to diffuse frustration. But it's a far different thing when as followers of Jesus, we're like, God, do you care? Like, do you see, like, how hard it is right now? And then this, and then this, and then this. And I truly think the psalmist is, is, is wrestling with that. And in one phrase, he's like, God, you're my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Verse 40, uh, 43, 2, he says, For you are the God whom I take refuge in. Why have you rejected me? He's struggling. He's in the depths of despair. And what is God's response? What is, this, what is God's response? Well, he put this guy's conversation with him in his holy word for us to read. I would say that was God's response to him. I mean, it's, it's incredible that this is in God's word. This guy is literally saying, God, I want you so much right now. And, and I can't get you. I want you to, to show up right now for me, and you're not coming. You're not helping me. And God puts this in his word to us. Why? Why, why would God do this? It seems like kind of bad PR. Right? I believe one of the reasons God puts us in his word is because he wants us to see faith and the struggle to have faith in the depths of despair. That life is going to be hard. We are broken people in a broken world. And that it's going to be hard. But that we can have faith. That God is st still who he who he was then, he still is that now. And I think he wants us to see that we can come to him in those times. That, and it's a weird deal because it's like his struggle is pretty much with God. Like, he's, I think he's struggling with God, but yet he doesn't go away from God. He still comes to God with his struggle. God, my rock. Good theology. Why have you forgotten me? Right? See, he doesn't just simply like go to social media and blat out some post about how lame God is right now. He also doesn't suppress his frustration because he's a good little Jewish boy. And man, you just can't say those things about God. He also doesn't walk away from God 
because he's not getting what he wants in life right now. But in the depths of his despair, he turns to God. I think it's profound. And I think it's, I think it's partly why it's in here for us, so that we can say, you know what? Okay, I'm a visual person. When I see this guy kind of struggling through things, and I'm sort of removed from the situation, I can kind of be, it's easier for me to be like, yeah, man, like, just chill out, dude. Have faith, okay? You're in exile, big deal. Like, God's still faithful. He's still there. He's doing, he, he hasn't left his redemptive purpose for you ultimately. Just calm down a little. It's a little easier for me to do that when it's him and it's not me. But I think the point is, when it is you, we can come to a psalm like Psalm 42 and say, okay, this is what it looks like to have faith when I'm in the midst of despair in my own life. See, turning to God in our darkest moments and our deepest struggles is exactly what the psalmist is doing here, and I think it teaches us a couple things. And the first is that turning to God in our darkest moments with our deepest struggles is possible. It's possible. Now, I'll admit, that's a weak preaching point, okay? It's kind of lackluster, right? Like, okay, it's possible, but you know what? When you're in the depths of despair, I think that maybe is what you need to hear. I know it is for me at times, because sometimes it doesn't feel possible. It feels like I'm too far removed, too far in the pit, and it's like, I can't go to God right now. And just simply understanding that the reality is, is that it's possible. It's possible to turn to God when you're in your darkest moment, in your deepest struggle. And it's what I believe we see him doing. In verse 43, verse 3, he's, he's, he's crying out to God again saying, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. He's struggling and he's, his struggle is with God but he still cries out to God in faith, in his desperation. Well, I think we also learn that turning to God in our darkest moments with our deepest struggles is difficult. It's okay. It is hard. It's difficult. In verse, verse 2 of chapter 43 he says, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? I think he's, this is hard for him, this process of having faith in who God is. It's not easy. It's not perfect. It's not like it's not messy. I mean, this guy is struggling to keep faith in who he knows God to be. Another thing it is, is it's transformational, though. See, the psalmist, there is a progression in the, these two psalms. See, he, three times he, he says the same thing. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall 
again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's the same words, but if you read this start to finish and just keep reading it and looking at it, it's like he really does go from sort of just kind of being inside of himself and just kind of introspectively looking at his life to where he really does start to turn to God and direct his conversation to God and ask God to lead him and help him. And even in the, in the repeated refrain, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And then he says, hope in God. So when he's just himself, he's like, I'm a mess, right? I'm in turmoil. It's not like he's fixed, but the very next thing he tells himself is hope in God. He is my salvation. It's not in here. I can't fix this. I'm a mess. God, you're my only chance. It's transformational. It doesn't necessarily change the circumstances. Nothing in his circumstances change. But I do think he changes. And I think we change. When we turn to God in faith, in our desperation. The last thing I'll say here is, turning to God means you are turning away from yourself. And, and man, this psalm shows that so much in that repeated refrain, right? It's like, I'm in turmoil. This is me. And then he, he lifts up his eyes, and it's like he redirects his, his attention towards God. And so when we turn to God, it necessitates that we turn away from ourselves. And, and this is so important for us because we can't fix ourselves. He can't fix the problem. He is in utter turmoil. He doesn't get any better, right? He doesn't get any better. He actually, he just comes to the realization that he's probably worse off than he thought, right? He's just talking, 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 gets himself all, and he's like, basically like, I'm a mess, God. I'm a mess. My hope is you. My salvation is you. And that is so important for us to hear. Because the thing is, life is hard, right? I mean, even when we have amazing things, like a wife, a husband, kids, a house, a decent job, life is incredibly hard, often because of those things I just listed, a wife, a husband, a house, a decent job. We live in a broken world, and we're broken people. And so it is hard. My wife is a saint, right? Because she lives with me. And over the years, you know, there's, we just, we've kind of learned to label something about me called a funk, right? It's like sometimes I get in what we call a funk. And lo and behold, this week, 
I got into a funk. Right about the time that I was going to hammer down on this message, right? It's like Thursday, and Jake's like, where's your slides, man? I'm like, yeah, I'll probably work on that tomorrow. Um, meaning the message, not the slides. Um, and so I'm just like in this funk, and I, just, I start to like just think about life and just detail stuff, and I start to get stressed out. And then I start to get critical and negative, and like I, I can see it happening. And sometimes I can curb it, and sometimes I just can't seem to curb it. And I'm just in this spiral, just, and I hate it. I don't even like, I don't hate being around myself. I'm like, ugh, like I'm the worst person ever right now. I can't imagine what it's like to live with me. And so here I am looking at Psalm 42 and 43, trying to figure out these spiritual insights into God's word. And I'm like a big turd, okay? I'm in a funk. But by the grace of God and because of my lovely wife, I just was like working through some things and, and honestly like, okay, here's this Psalm. And honestly, it just feels eerily like it's something that I need to hear right now. Because I feel like I'm in despair right now. Like, it's nothing like crazy bad. It's just, it's like a lot of it's just internal me stuff. And it's miserable. And I'm like, ugh, like stop doing that. And then it's like I turn around and I'm doing it again. And it's, I, it's a funk. I can't, that's the only way I can describe it to you guys. My wife knows what I'm talking about. But it was like slowly God began to just, these words began to speak to me. It's like, dude, it's right here. It's like, I'm cast down. I'm in despair. I'm in turmoil within me. What's the answer here, God? And it's simply to turn to him in my desperation. Not to try to fix myself first. See, here's the thing. The first step, the first step is always, always, always away from me and towards God. It's always that. It's never not that. You're never going to fix yourself. You're never going to get out of whatever you're struggling with. You can't will yourself out of depression. You can't, any of that stuff. You can't do it yourself. The first step is away from you and to God. Just as the psalmist does in his moment of desperation. He doesn't fix himself. He cries out to God in faith and says, God, I'm a mess. You're my only chance. You're my salvation. And so it's not a silver bullet here. It's not something where faith makes the circumstances get better or go away. But if you, like the psalmist, truly want God more than anything else, this is incredibly good news. He's there. Even when it feels like he's not, he's there. He is who he's always been. He will be that forever. And what he's asking us to do in the moment that we're in desperation is not fix ourselves, but simply to turn to him, to hope in him, to look to him for our salvation. And I would just ask you to think, is two things. One, do I have an appetite for God? Do I truly hunger for him? Do I want him more than anything else? And if not, start repenting there of whatever it is that you want more than him. 
But if you are somebody who's like, yes, that's all I want. I just want God. I want to connect with him. Or maybe you're struggling with something that you just feel like you can't get out of. I get it. Do you have that regular rhythm of turning away from yourself and turning to God? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And I would encourage you to turn to him, to turn from yourself. Stop trying to fix it all, save yourself, and let him be who he is. Your only hope and your only salvation. Can you pray with me?